Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today, we're going to talk about Global Game Jam 2020, Nvidia GeForce Now, and Rapid Fire, Game Delays, Atari Hotels, and Nintendo Sales. Well, Nintendo Sales numbers. There are no sales in Nintendo, sorry. <laughs> So, Mike, this year's Global Game Jam wasn't postponed, wasn't cancelled, wasn't rescheduled. Well, specifically the Hong Kong site of Global Game Jam, because it's a global game jam. But Hong Kong was obviously in coronavirus lockdown. So, basically... They've closed all the schools. They've closed all the theme parks. They basically tried to close all major public gatherings. And so they decided, yeah, they could not hold Global Game Jam at the Cyberport you know, convention room thing that they usually do. They actually said, okay, we're going to hold the opening and closing in person, but everything else will be remote. And then like a day later, they were like, oh, actually, no, the coronavirus has got worse. Everything's remote. We're going to just stream the opening on Facebook and the rest of it's remote. And so yeah, that that was it. They like basically streamed the opening you know intro and keynote and then theme video on Facebook and then took it down because obviously the theme's meant to be a secret. And then the rest of the game jam was literally trying to collaborate over Slack and stuff. Except that it wasn't for us because i actually hosted a bunch of people at my flat recklessly so even on the friday night yeah so basically usually a group from the retro game meetup actually goes to the game jam together plus you know a few other people who we've met over the years so normally we would all go to the game jam together and then meet some other people and break into teams and, and stuff but this year, yeah, that group who would normally go together, we instead all just came round to my flat and then we watched the opening together and did the brainstorming in person. How did that go? Because that doesn't always go well. Well, it was kind of ridiculous, actually, because I obviously thought the Game Jam kicks off at 8pm. That's when they start streaming, you know, the keynote and stuff but I was actually still having to do work stuff 
at 8 p.m. when everyone started turning up. And so I was actually on like some production incident call. <laughs> so I was like sitting off to one side on the phone, tapping away at my work laptop. I'd actually plugged in. We don't care about this. We don't care about this. We don't care about this. Sorry. Sorry. It's just because it was such a farce. I had, I had my personal laptop plugged into the TV, streaming the keynote, and then people were coming in in dribs and drabs to watch it. So they were all watching the keynote. I was dealing with work stuff until like 10. Oh. On and off, on and off. I, luckily, I didn't have to do any more phone calls after about like nine-ish or something. So I was able to catch the end of the theme video where they actually announced the theme, thankfully, which was repair. And then, yeah, I was able to take part in all the brainstorming stuff. I just had to check my laptop every now and then. So yeah, the theme was repair. And your ideas? Yeah, so, you know, it starts off in a there's no such thing as a stupid idea ideas session where we all just like say stuff and go round and take turns so that, you know, one person can't monopolize the conversation, i.e. me. And we came up with all sorts of stuff or, you know, someone would say an idea and then we'd all build on that idea. So to give some examples... We had one about doing the opposite of breakout. So, you know, like in breakout, you're controlling the paddle and you're trying to break down a wall. So we were saying instead, okay, how about you're trying to build the wall instead? That's really good. That's a really good idea. There was another one about like repairing the timeline. So we had lots of funny things about like, you know, imagine that the timeline's gone wrong, but you have to repair it except that you've got to do it in like the most subtle way possible or you've got the most stupid tool possible so oh that's really clever you could do like a a reverse sort of goose game yeah so so we were saying stuff like okay like world war three starts but you know that it was caused by this person having a bad day and then this other person was grumpy and like you know blah 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 and in, in the end it turns out like okay if we go to this coffee shop and make this latte with oat milk instead of soy milk, we'll avert World War Three. So we had this whole funny thing about like how we try and represent that. And there were many different versions and iterations of this idea. So one was that it was kind of going to be like a point and click game or uh, like a visual novel kind of thing. And we just draw a load of funny pictures. Or there were some that were literally actually like an action game. Like, you know, you arrive in the middle of some like speech by a dictator and you have to actually like hit them with a hammer or something you know, and then get out of there in time. Like there was all this, like, we had like very many crazy different variations on this same idea. And then there were a lot of ones about hammering stuff. So there was, you know, like, I'll repair stuff by like hammering in nails. And then like, if all you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So it was like repairing stuff, but you've only got a <laughs> hammer or an endless runner where you're a nail and you've got to avoid being hammered. But when you're in the right place, you've got to get hammered. <laughs> You know, so we had like a bunch of ideas like that. I proposed some very procedural programming one about like panel beating simulator. You know, like you've got a car and it's got like a dent in it and you've got to like, you know, hammer it back out and buff it. Oh, So it would be like a very zen game where you've got like some crumpled polygon and you've got to like go dung, dung, dung and like hit it in the right way to like smooth it out. But that's the sort of thing where if I was doing a solo project, I'd probably try and do something like that. Because obviously it's very programmy and not very arty. 
Anyway, the idea that actually got the most traction early on that we liked was one guy said, hey, imagine you're a Noah's Ark, but it's sinking. And so you've got to repair the Ark. And we're like, okay. And then, you know, he was saying, but all you've got to repair it with are animals. So, (laughs) so... Yeah, yeah, I know. There, there are a lot of variations of this game. So he was like, so there's a leak. So you've got to just like get a bunny rabbit and just shove it in the hole to fill it. So, you know, there'll, there'll be a hole, like there'll be a leak and it'll be like the shape of a rabbit. So you've got to get a rabbit and put it in the hole and there'll be another leak and it'll be like the shape of like a dog. So you get a dog and you shove it in the hole. You Were know, animals <laughs> killed in this? Yes. So this was like the very first iteration of the idea. So we were saying... You know, and then the animals that used to repair the boat obviously don't survive. So, like, when you get to dry land, there's, like, all the animals walk out two by two, and only the ones you didn't use to repair the boat, like, walk out the boat. So we're saying, you know, that would be kind of funny. That would be funny. <laughs> and then we had, like, several other, like, abstract versions of the idea of, like, okay, maybe you just turn the animals into resources. So you've got, like, some magical machine that just turns them into wooden planks, and you, you fix the boat with planks instead. Because, you know, if you've got a rabbit-shaped hole, you can only shove a rabbit into it, so... You know, what can you do? Although then we started saying, oh, well, maybe it's mythical animals. So there's like a centaur shaped hole. And then you can either you can put a centaur into it. And that's why there's no more centaurs. Or you can get a horse and you can get a person. You can shove both of them into it instead. And you can like keep the centaurs alive. But, you know, that was also kind of difficult to think how we would like really scale the idea. Wow, this is quite wild, these ideas. It, no, no, it was really wild. We had like a load of really crazy ideas. I was also saying, okay, how about we try and do some like physical simulation of the ship? So like the ship's got buoyancy and as it's taking on water, it's sinking. And so like the decks will start filling up with water. And so like the lower decks of the ship are all the mythical animals, like, you know, unicorns and stuff. And so they're the easiest to get killed. And that's why there's no more unicorns. But then also you can make the ship lighter. So you can like throw stuff overboard. So like, you know, if the unicorns are going to drown, then either you can like patch it up to keep the unicorns alive or maybe just throw an elephant off the ship and then it's more buoyant and then it's going to like rise up out the water anyway. Or you can seal the compartment. It's good physics, but yeah, you know, stuff like that. So we, we had loads of stuff like that. And then I was also saying like, oh, a really funny joke would be no matter what you do, the giraffes always survive. Like, even if you throw the giraffes off the ship, well, they've got long necks, so their their head still pokes out of the water. So, like, you throw it off the edge, but, like, when you finally get to dry land, like, the giraffes just walk out the sea and they're totally cool. So that's like an Easter egg. You can always throw the giraffes off and they'll be fine. Anyway, anyway. In the end, most of us decided that we were on board for this sinking ship idea and like i think the guy the guy who originally came up with the idea actually proposed we call it noah's fuck (laughs) (laughs) but But. uh, then then we were like uh does it have to be noah and they were like okay maybe it could be like pirates because maybe that's an easier thing to do then we don't have to draw all these animals and stuff so i don't know in the end we were like okay what is the very core of the idea And let's start with that first, because it's very easy to come up with something that sounds really funny, but it's massively ever ambitious and you get nothing done. So we said, okay, okay, let's really pair it right, right back. So things we need, let's 
let's start working on like drawing a ship let's start working on drawing characters uh doing some of the sprite art and then programming side figure out how to actually like make a platformer in unity like you know maybe just start with the unity platform demo and understand how it works so we can modify it to make this game and I'm like okay fine so that's that's where we started and like spoiler that's kind of where we finished too <laughs> like we didn't get any of the more ambitious stuff done at all but you patched you were patching leaks yeah so in the end the game is called don't sink and there's a little pirate ship and you're a little pirate and leaks like just spring out on the ship and you can run up and hit them with your little hammer and then the leaks go away and that's it there's no win condition there's no lose condition <laughs> there's just a kind of a slightly ropey platform game where you can repair water sprites that pop up and spew crabs onto the deck so yeah we were way too ambitious again so let's talk about your process. People were in person on the Saturday. Yes, people came round. Again, they, it wasn't. There was no all nighter being pulled for this one. No, 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 there was no, there was no all nighter. So, like the high level process, we had that brainstorming session on the Friday night. People left eleven thirty, twelve ish, went back home. We hadn't actually really nailed it down at that point. And then the next day, people started coming over from like 10.30, 11-ish. And then we kind of picked it up. So we kind of agreed that we were going to do the ship idea. One person actually decided that they wanted to break off and just do their own thing, which was cool. And they said, oh, do you mind if I come around anyway, even if I'm not on the team? I was like, yeah, that's fine. So there was one person actually round the flat who was working on his own game because he wanted to make a tower defense game where the mechanic was more about repairing the towers than building towers. How was that one? I don't know how it finished in the end because I think it wasn't quite finished by the Saturday night and I don't know if he actually went and tried to finish it off on the Sunday. So I'm not really sure, to be honest. It looked good. Okay, so like the guy who did that was the artist we had on our team from last year so he was definitely the most talented artist like his art's really good he he's making a solo project actually on his own like a roguelike game where you throw bombs it's kind of like it's kind of like gungeon but with bombs instead of guns and he's called it bombarchy at the moment i mean the name might change bumgen sorry but bombgen that's bomb-gen. terrible yeah That's... m to the bombgen i guess he should have called it no he's yeah he is his art is good. Like he's really talented. Yeah, so he was doing his own thing. So we just worked on the game throughout the day. We probably really should have spent more time figuring out how to break up the work rather than just like randomly all going off and doing stuff. Like I think we say this every year, you know, we we learn what we did wrong and then we forget it by the time <laughs> game sham rolls around again next year. But To be honest, it's a weird situation in Hong Kong right now. And so I think none of us wanted to do an all-nighter anyway. We pretty much got it mostly there by the Saturday night. In fact, we we basically did finish it by the Saturday night. We actually recorded the trailer 
and the audio for the trailer, even though we actually hadn't finished the game. So <laughs> in our trailer, there's a bit where they go, and now here's our finished game. And at the time they recorded that, the game just didn't work at all. <laughs> so, you know, that was recorded at about 11 p.m. And then the rest of them pretty much went home at that point and had just like left me with all the art assets and stuff. And because, you know, I was already home. So I just worked on it for an hour or two and got it functional in like that minimum, you know, viable product kind of state. Like it's a platform game where you can repair leaks. That was the brief. So got that done. And then one other guy picked up the video I recorded on Slack and then put it into the trailer. Okay. And then we were done. Like on the Sunday, we basically did like hardly anything. I think I just did an updated build of the game where a f- there were a few more art assets that had been like finished off in the morning. So I just incorporated those. What's the submission time? We were supposed to submit it by 2 p.m. Okay. And originally they were meant to stream all of the trailers because usually they actually have like a showcase where they show everyone's trailers but they said they had technical difficulties and they couldn't do it unfortunately so what did you win we won nothing we want a sense of pride and accomplishment it's actually really funny because i realize now that game we made last year get your house in order that was a total fluke like that game actually i thought looked good all of the other Game Jam games we've made pretty much look, they look like they were made by a bunch of amateurs in like <laughs> under 48 hours, right? Whereas like the game we made last year, actually I thought looked pretty good and and actually like played pretty well and it had a style about it. So like this year we've returned to the mean and we're back to <laughs> looking like a bunch of amateurs, which we are making a game in like, yeah, 48 hours. So we won nothing. But, you know, we made it. We made a game. It worked. And I actually learned a lot. That's actually really important. So I actually learned more this time than I did last year. Okay. So, you know, I had said I was trying to make that platform game thing for a while, but I never really got very far in it. And I was always have, I was always having issues understanding Unity's tile map stuff and the animation stuff. And then I was always, to be honest, just like bypassing it and trying to roll my own. But I knew that was not a scalable approach. So this year, it really forced me to understand how the Unity animation and sprite and like tile stuff works. Because... We based it on that Unity platformer demo. And so I actually understand how that worked. And as a result, I now know how those things work in Unity, which is actually quite valuable. So, yes, what did I win? I won the knowledge of how to use Unity better. Is that too pithy? That's every year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, usually... Usually what happens is I get back up to the point of like, oh, yeah, I remember. That's how Unity works now. And then I forget it again. So, you know, I learned something new this year. What did win? Uh, You know what? I'm slightly ashamed to to say this, but I don't really know. (laughs) They, they, They posted a list on Facebook, but I actually really wanted to watch the trailer showcase. But because they just didn't put it up, I actually just played Escape from Tarkov. 
because <laughs> I have a group of friends who always play Escape from Tarkov 3 to 6 p.m. And so I just joined in playing with them instead. Because a lot of people's trailers, you know, they didn't actually really get them ready until around about the deadline. So people started sharing their trailers two to three-ish. But yeah, I, I played Escape from Tarkov and I was just keeping an eye on it. I was waiting to see when they were going to put up the showcase stream because then I was going to drop out and watch it. But then they said, oh, technical difficulties, we're not going to do it. We're just going to announce winners. And I was like, oh, okay. So I've got the list of winners. I've watched a few of the trailers, but I I couldn't really tell you, you know, oh, I saw this one. It was really amazing. I mean, I, there are a couple that stick in my mind, actually. So there's one, I think, I think this was the one that won like the most commercial value award or something. And it was basically a game where there's three toddlers in like a cot and they like bust out the cot and then start running around, you know, like your flat and they're like wrecking everything. They're smashing up TV, they're smashing up bars and stuff. And like, you're the dad and you've got to run around and repair things. So you've got to like repair the TV, repair the vase, repair the cot. And then once the cot is repaired, you can actually pick up the toddlers and put them back in the cot. But they can break the cot and bust out again. So it's like this perpetual battle to, you know, fix the flat that actually had some nice pixel art as well and you know that looked like a good and functional game and then there was another one that i thought was really clever so it was like missile command except that to shoot down the missiles you had to type a word so you know a missile would be heading towards one of your cities and it would say you know like apple and so you'd have to type in your apple and then when you type it in it shoots a missile and it shoots it down but every now and then a key on your keyboard will break so you know like the p key will break and so when you hit p it just doesn't do anything anymore but you can virtually in the game there's like a keyboard layout in the game pick up the p key pick up the Z key kind of thing, because you're not going to use the letter Z very often, and swap them round. And now the P key will work, but to type a P, you have to push where the Z key is on your real-life keyboard. Because you swap the positions of those keys. Oh, that's annoyingly yeah, clever. Yeah, it's really clever. That's I really was clever. really impressed. I was like, that's a great idea. <sighs> so that's the other one that sticks in my head. I'm not sure if it won anything, but I, I remember watching that trailer, because I did watch a few of them. And, you know, that one I thought was like, wow, that's that's good. So, will you be back next year? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I actually really enjoy Global Game Jam. I mean, it was very different doing it remotely, you know, as, as a whole, you know, because it, it was still nice having people around and we could physically, you know, like chat to each other and brainstorm and stuff. But... It is different, like not having the whole event there too. Because I guess, like, when you're like heads down and trying to make your game, then it didn't matter so much. Because, you know, even when you're at the site, all you really do is you just work in your small team at your table and you, you're, you're trying to get it done. But yeah, it's all like the surrounding stuff that's actually really fun. Like, you know, they, they give you free food and you go and chat to other people and you see what they're working on too. Or like the showcase at the end where you get to see everyone else's games or. If everyone's finished a bit early, you can go around and play them too. So, yeah, you didn't really get that part of the experience when it was remote. So hopefully next year, the event will be physically on because it won't be cancelled due to crazy viruses or protests or who knows what next. Godzilla. 
And because it was at your home, you didn't need the Razer laptop in the end? Yeah, we we talked about this, but I actually cut it out of the final recording. Yes, I bought a new laptop because my Surface, the screen started glitching. And I thought, well, it's been four years. It's probably time to buy a new laptop anyway. So I bought a very nice <laughs> Razer Blade Stealth 13-inch laptop with a GTX 1650. So it's like an Ultrabook with a dedicated graphics card, like a serious graphics card. But in the end, I didn't really need it because I actually just did all the work on my main PC. Sad times. It's a very nice laptop, though. I mean, I will, I'll use it for other stuff. And we're still trying to do, you know, the, the Game Jam weekends every now and then. So at least once a month, we're trying to meet up and do some game dev. So if the coronavirus ever <laughs> blows over, you know, when, it, when things finally get back to normal... And we can meet in person again. I'll be using it for that. I guess one final funny thing to say is our team name they decided was Team Mike's Flat. <laughs> and in the game, I'm credited as Flat. <laughs> so so that, was, that was my contribution. The Flat. Well, also coding. But yeah, my first credit in the game is Flat. like magic except it's not it's science this is a great example of how newer technology can mean that you don't have to leave older hardware behind it is the future of the gaming industry this is a 200 dollars macbook straight from 2009 it runs pretty well here with geforce now this allows you to run a bunch of games at high settings at the resolution that your computer can support I didn't have to do any driver installation or anything. It actually is just working out of the box. This is very quick in terms of the mouse movement registration. It's almost lag-free or latency-free. Even more graphic-intensive games, I can crunch through... NVIDIA's GeForce Now. NVIDIA GeForce Now. Why is it NVIDIA? It is also NVIDIA's GeForce Now. But it's also NVIDIA GeForce Now. Did you know this was coming? Did you know this was a thing? No. NVIDIA Shield, but that's not the same thing. This caught me completely by surprise. I mean, I've said before that I'm not really doing a great job keeping up with gaming news. But yeah, the first I heard about this was when you put it in these podcast show notes. And then I read up about it and I was like, oh, that's really clever. So what is it? So it's what, a bring your own games cloud gaming service so whereas stadia you pay a subscription and you can play some stadia games with this one well at the moment there's a free tier in the future there might not be at the moment i think the free tier gives you the same access as the paid tier maybe even because it's like you know just starting up and they're trying to attract people but i think there were queue times. They're definitely queue times. Oh, yeah, because they, you know, they said they were surprised by demand, which they, they're letting you play stuff for free. You know, why are, they, why are they surprised? Well, I mean, it's not exactly for free because you have to own the game. I mean, that's the interesting thing about this. So you log in through the service, you log into your Steam or Epic or Uplay account, hmm. and then 
you can basically just choose a game from your library and play it. Not everything is supported through it. No. But there's a bunch of games that are just like instantly supported. So they're kind of pre-installed, I guess. And then there are other games where you can choose the game and it will install it and it will play. And there are yet other games where it just won't work. So I think like GTA V, for example, at the moment doesn't work. But it's interesting. If the the game isn't ready on demand, you you just open your launcher and just go off and download it. Yeah, because it's literally just a virtual machine. It's literally just a remote machine with CPU and graphics and everything, and you just are running Steam on it, or Epic, or Uplay, or whatever. And you think that once you've installed it and then you finish with your session, they'll just go off and delete it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they'll do. They'll, they'll pro- they probably have like a local Steam cache or something, right? I mean, that would make sense. I know, I know that at like big LAN parties, I mean, I don't know if they still do this, but I remember going to, you know, this LAN event in the UK a few times. And when we were there, they would tell us, oh, we actually have a local on-site Steam cache. So set your Steam download location to Ireland and we've overridden that. So if you choose a game that we've got in the local cache, it will download pretty much instantly because it's on-site. You're downloading it over the LAN. So clever. So clever. So, you know, presumably they've got something like that set up or, you know, these are all virtual machines. They're probably all linked to a SAN or something anyway. So they probably have just images of the pre-installed games for lots of games. And when they mount your server, they just, you know, have it there ready to go. So let's talk about membership benefits for $5 a month US. You get RTX. Yeah, because I think the free tier, it kicks you off every hour. Yes. So you can play for free, but every hour you have to kind of like log back in. And if there's a queue, then you're back in the queue. Whereas if you pay, well, basically like the queue is comprised of first all the people who paid. So if you've paid, you get to skip ahead of all the people who haven't paid first. But if there are too many people who've all paid as well, you might still have to queue, I guess. Yes, but you've really failed to design, put together your architecture, infrastructure, if the the paying people are still waiting. Well, I mean, it just depends how popular it is, right? Yeah, true. Because $5 is actually pretty good. Yeah, $5 for RTX. It is much cheaper than buying a freaking 2080 RTX. Actually, I don't know if the, I don't know if the card they give you is like 2080 quality, but it's still going to be cheaper than buying an RTX card, any RTX card. And as usual... It's not available in Hong Kong. <laughs> but it is available in Japan and Korea for Asia. Yes. Is it available in the UK? Yep. Oh. Yeah. I I heard that it's very good as well. Like the the comparison screens I saw, it looks better than Stadia. Like the, the picture looks sharper and it has more detail. Interesting. And apparently also the latency well actually they said the latent for the person who was reviewing it they said the latency on both stadia and this was you know comparable it it wasn't noticeable versus playing the game locally for them so yeah it seems good so what do you make of all this i mean is this is this the future 
I, I really think this could be the future, actually. This is a very, you know, because the thing about the stadium model is they're asking you to buy stuff again. And like your existing game library, you can't use it. This is a much more graceful way to migrate people to cloud gaming. You know, you, you still have to buy the game, but you're already buying the game. It's on a platform that you can play locally if you want. So you don't feel like you're you're giving money to this walled garden. Well, I mean, I guess it is a walled garden, but it's a walled garden you already trust. It's one that you're already sitting in and you're comfortable with. <laughs> you know, whereas Stadia is just this unknown quantity. Like, if Stadia doesn't get traction, Google will probably just shut down Stadia. And if you bought Destiny on Stadia or like, you know, the Destiny expansion pack or something on Stadia, does that mean you just lose it? Probably. So... I think this sounds really good. If I didn't already have a big Hong Kong gaming PC and it was available in Hong Kong, for sure I would be interested. But I do have a ridiculous gaming PC and I just bought an expensive gaming laptop too, so... Yeah. And I guess... I guess you're you're not in the position where you need ultimate convenience and you need to... and Nor do you need to play games wherever, whenever... No, but I do think it is really good. Like, you know, if in the future this service is just available everywhere, you know, if in the same way that if I want to play a game and it's on Steam, I can just connect the internet and Steam's there and I can download the game, right? As long as I've got the internet, it's fine. And to be honest, the Steam offline mode, I know, but let's not talk about that. So if in the future this is as ubiquitous as that, and if there's internet, I can play the game, then... Why would I buy a laptop with a graphics card? I would just buy an ultra portable, super light ultra book. And I could still play games with RTX graphics. You know, maybe this is really what kills the gaming PC after all. Because why would you buy a 2080 Ti if for $5 a month you can get something comparable? Okay, yes. That is a good... That's much better than what Stadia is putting together. Well, I think it's kind of the same as what Stadia is putting together, except that this is a graceful transition, whereas Stadia is, buy everything again, please. Which is shocking, considered... And has a very limited library. Especially how much investment you already, you know, you're, you're, you've you're already made as a gamer, usually. At no point do you want to start again. I don't know. Maybe it's for the Gen Zers. Maybe Stadia... Does Stadia have Fortnite... We're not a Fortnite podcast. Maybe you'll have the next Fortnite. Actually, did I, you should mention that I got bamboozled by Fortnite. <laughs> you, you remember, I, I, I actually called you up. It's like, oh my God, I just won a game of Fortnite. And you're like, you know, they have bots now. It's like, oh, that explains. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have. I'm really good at doing that sometimes. Really ruining your day. Yeah. Yeah. Because I installed Fortnite to record some audio from it because i wanted to use some fortnite audio in the podcast and fortnite after installing it just immediately dropped me into a game and i was like wait what i thought i had to queue and it just dropped me into a solo game and then i won it i actually had like eight kills and i won and i was like did i get way better at fortnite or did other people get way worse and then you were like they got way worse they're bots and i was like oh (laughs) now i'm disappointed like only eight kills Never mind. I didn't say it like that. 
for the record. Maybe that's what my inner, inner monologue sounded like, though. Yeah, that's right. You were like, lol, only eight. They're bots, you loser. And my inner monologue was like, because I don't have one. <laughs> Should we move on to pseudo rapid fire? I took my laser gun and I go pew pew pew! The delays! Mike, the delays! In the January podcast, we literally had a whole section on release dates. And like the day after we recorded it, so before I'd even managed to edit it, basically everything got delayed. From your magic month. To be honest, it's probably for the best. So what are the new dates? What are the games? Okay. Half-Life Alex. Still on track. But with no date. No March date. Yeah, just sometime in March. But till then, the entire Half-Life back catalogue is free. Yeah. I think the only one I haven't played is Blue Shift. So maybe I should just play that. Although before I play that, I should probably play like Control and all the other games I bought. Wasn't that your um, your goal for CNY? Yeah, I didn't do it. I, you know what the problem is? I took up Escape from Tarkov. I mean, we can talk about that another time. But I started playing Escape from Tarkov. Next, Final Fantasy Seven. From the 3rd of March to the 10th of April. So actually, it's not delayed by very much. No. I'm actually really excited for this. Why? I just... I just really liked Final Fantasy VII. I think Final Fantasy VII was the first Final Fantasy game I played. It was the first one to officially be released in the UK. And I really wanted to play a Final Fantasy game because... Yeah, they were they were always being mentioned in like gaming magazines I read as like they being these amazing, incredible games. So I don't know. It looks really good as well. It looks really good. There's the new trailer. What did you think of it? What What did you think of it? Everyone made such a fuss of the the cross dressing scene. <laughs> yes. I don't have enough context or enough background, but everything seemed okay to me. Everyone was really, really wondering how on earth they were going to do this scene. Because obviously in the original Final Fantasy VII, Cloud is made up of like 20 polygons or something. And there's this ridiculous scene where he has to, what, break into like a mob boss's hideout or something. And so... Or is it a brothel? I don't know. But he ends up cross-dressing, basically. And they just change his character model so he looks like he's wearing a dress and has pigtails. But obviously it's like 20 polygons. And so when they have this super hyper-realistic... Well, actually, still a bit cartoony, but, you know, much more realistic than back then version of Cloud. How are they going to make him look feminine? But they actually just give him pigtails and put him in a dress. It's like the same. He looks all right. He's got very good skin. They all do. 
But yeah, I'm excited for it. It might make me finally turn on my PS4 again. <laughs> All right. And then the last delay I want to mention, Cyberpunk 2077. From 16th of April to 17th of September. That's a big delay. Thank goodness. Might have time to finish Final Fantasy VII first now. Yeah. Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be a daunting game. If Witcher 3 is anything to go by. Yeah, so it's pushed back significantly. But personally, I can wait. But that's a lot of crunch. Yeah. Yeah, they're taking some flack for that, haven't they? It's like, you can't say that anymore. That's a big faux pas. But you can. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, they took some flack, but not that much flack. Not enough. I think the ge- I think like the game dev industry, you know, game dev industry people were like, that's disgusting. And the general public were like, yeah, you're right. Make them work harder. Give them amphetamines. They don't need to sleep. Yeah, we need, we need to play our games. I'm happy for them to delay it. I, I, I don't know when I'm going to have time to play this game. It's just going to become another Witcher 3. I'm going to end up buying it and like literally never playing it because I'm too scared to start a 100-hour game. It's crazy because you have so much time. But you don't. I know the answer. I know what you're going to say next. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to move on quickly to Atari Hotels. This is crazy. So they're going to build a chain of Atari branded hotels that are aimed at gamers. And they, in the blurb, they go, Atari is synonymous with gaming. And then, like, even I'm thinking, okay, boomer. Like... <laughs> This what? is this is like an elder well, millennial reference. No, no, I, I can't really say that. But, you know, well, actually, I probably can, right? Atari probably is actually baby boomer generation gaming. Seriously, like, Atari hasn't been relevant for a long, long time. Like, only 80s kids will remember, like, the very end of Atari, right? Like, by the 90s, Atari was already a has-been. If you go and say Atari to a Gen Zer. I don't think they're going to associate it with gaming at all. No, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't even know what association it they would make. So I, I can only assume that they're aiming at Elder Millennials Plus with this chain, with the branding. But then again, maybe they're the sort of people who've got the money. Maybe they're, they're also the sort of people you want. Actually, who is going to stay at these hotels? It's actually really weird if you think about it. Because, like, it's a gaming hotel. That's not exactly family-friendly. But what is a gaming hotel? What does that mean? Is it... Uh, is it, is it aimed at me? Am I actually the target want? audience? But what would you want? What would you want? You definitely don't want to share it with a bunch of teenagers playing whatever they play these days. Fortnite, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, that's what they're playing. <laughs> do, do I want them to make me feel young? So that's right. It's just filled with, it's actually filled with real boomers to make me feel comparatively young. It's filled with a load of war veterans, like talking about the good old days. Sorry, this is very strange. So it's interesting. What, what kind of experience are they trying to cultivate? I think they talk about having like really good internet and 
I, I actually listened to some like NPR radio piece about it as well. Like, I, I don't know if any of this is final, but I got the sense that they were saying like, oh, we'll have good hardware on hand. So like, they'll probably have PCs with 2080s in or something, you know, like really high end graphics card, but you can bring your own mouse and keyboard because you want to use your own gear kind of thing. And then you can just log into Steam and I guess and play your own games because it's true. Like your gaming library these days, it's not what you've got installed in a machine. It's what you've got in your like cloud service account and you can just play it on any machine that's connected to the internet. So I suppose if you wanted to go and like have a big LAN party or something, yeah, maybe you really could just go to a hotel with a bunch of your mates who've got away from the family for the weekend or something and can have a gaming weekend. You know, they'll bring their mouse and keyboard. They'll just pick up a, or there'll just be a crazy desktop in your room. There'll be really good internet and you can have a LAN party like you're 18 again. Okay, cool. So we, there is some overlap. What I was thinking wasn't completely out of this world. Actually, that is something that might work. I can't tell if it would be really fun or really terrible or just really kitsch. It could be all three. Because it wouldn't surprise me if they found they, they if they found a way to make it very 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 bizarre. <laughs> I I just feel like it should be in Vegas or something, but it's in what Phoenix. Mm. I, my U.S. geography isn't so great. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I have no idea where that is anyway. There are additional hotels planned for Vegas, so so don't worry. Yeah, themed hotels. It just feels like that kind of concept i don't know maybe i'm just being maybe i'm just not being imaginative enough yeah you know what they should totally host like sgdq or G- agdq here right that's it's perfect for stuff like that surely yes this could work yeah so you're right they should they should like host packs they should host like i don't know yeah they probably can't host packs, it's not big enough. But you know what I mean, yeah, you're right. There, there are plenty of gaming events, I guess, that could work well at a gaming-themed hotel as well. Yeah, if they... There is a market where that people are willing to... Where you can find people with disposable income to spend on this kind of stuff. Yeah, I actually did know about this story. It's interesting, because someone... Someone actually forwarded me, as I said, like this NPR radio piece about it. And they said, hey, your next holiday. And I was like, oh, interesting. But maybe terrible. So they weren't asking you what this Atari thing was. What's Atari? (laughs) I think it's a kind of sushi. Any closing thoughts? Uh, we should keep an eye on it. I'm curious what it'll look like when it's built. They got like they've got the concept art of it right, which has got like a big Atari logo on the side, like a big swooping thing of you know those lines. Yeah, when it's built, it'll be interesting to see what they've done with the interior. Is is it going to actually be like like Stranger Things and like some weird you know red and orange '80s carpet and the uh. or is it going to be like really sleek and modern? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Finally, Switch sales figures. Yeah, you're right. I said Nintendo sales, but really, I mean Switch sales. How many units has the Switch sold? 52.4. My goodness, what's wrong with my numbers? 
52.48 million units. Sold worldwide. 52.48 million. (laughs) 48 million. (laughs) What's wrong with my brain? It has sold over 52 million. That's what a normal person would say. It has sold over 52 million units. Which is more than the SNES. Now, you know more about the SNES than I do. Was the SNES considered a sales success? I don't know. I was like 10. (laughs) I think so, though. The SNES was great. The Wii sold like 100 million, didn't it? Yes, it did. So it's still got a way to go before that but it's only been out what three years geez three years already yeah so it's got time but it's crazy i mean if you look at nintendo sales history for hardware nintendo ds 154 million units game boy 118 million units this stuff can really sell Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess the gaming market is just bigger now. There are just more people who play games. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised if this eventually sets a new record. And I think they have also successfully bridged the gap between, you know, home console and portable console. So, you know, I think in the past, maybe you'd buy a console to connect to your TV and then, you know, kids would have like a Game Boy or a DS or something. Whereas it feels like they've somehow managed to convince people that they should have one of these connected to the TV and then the kids should all have one as well. I'm just making that up. Is that what you do? You're a parent. Mm, uh, Yes. Yes, they would have switch lights. There you go. So it's a fact now. I don't know. I like to think... Fact. No, screen time. Don't give them too much screen time. They can't be playing games all the time either. Did it do you any harm? Uh, I don't think I've played that much games. I don't think I've played enough. Looking back. (laughs) There you go. More screen time for the kids. The kids will be like, Daddy, we want to play football. No, not until you finish Mario Kart Deluxe. It's like, but we did 150cc. Do 200. I want to see the special cup 200cc first place. And then they're going to be traumatized. They're going to be like Asian dad memes about how, you know, you you had to do your daily switch tasks. No, it'd be Fortnite. Get your Fortnite, Your Fortnite. <laughs> drills done. <laughs> Fortnite drills now. <laughs> Why are you Silver League? <laughs> Why are you Silver League? Chan down the road is gold. <laughs> you bring dishonor to this man. No one talks like this. Do they? Well, they will do. It, it, it's okay. I, 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 have the, I don't have the accent, but I'm Chinese too, just, just before anyone says anything. Anyway. Let's look at the software sales. What surprised you out of this? Two things. Pokemon Sword and Shield has already sold 16 million copies. It's cheating. There's like two games there. It's like 8 million each. But who's buying both games? Yeah, I know. I'm joking. I thought you were going to tell me people are buying both games. Actually, people are buying both games. (laughs) People are crazy. Hey, you bought both games. Or technically, you gave one to me. And this was just... this. These figures are up to the end of the year. So this is two months worth of sales. 
and it's already fifth. Number two is Smash Ultimate at 17.68 million. Is it easily going to beat that? Will it beat Mario Kart? I don't know. Yeah, Mario Kart's 22.96. I don't play Pokemon, so I don't appreciate how... It's just the book club game. I hope you're playing Pokemon. <laughs> but up to now, I've not played. I've not really played Pokemon. I've nearly not really appreciated the following, the fandom, the commitment. Yeah, it has sold very well. I'm kind of surprised too, to be honest. I think, I think I also underestimate just how much people love Pokemon. But it is fun. I mean, we should save this for the book club episode, but. You know, I previously described Pokemon as a not fun grind fest, but I actually am having fun this time. So it's not grind fest. No, it's easy mode. And the other other game that um, surprised me was Ring Fit. Ring Fit Adventure. 2.17 million. That's 2.17 goose games. <laughs> you seem salty. No, I'm just, I just thought it'd be funny. I can't believe it, though. This Ring Fit thing is mental. Like, the trailer was bonkers, and it's sold out everywhere. I have told you that I've been trying to get a copy of Ring Fit Adventure. And I can't get it for a normal price. Every It's inflated everywhere. Well, how much are we talking? Mm, so it's, it's meant to be 65, I don't do hong kong dollars it's meant to be 65 pounds but it's 85 upwards where are you ordering this from actually i, I don't because i don't know what the hong kong price should be i'm just assuming it's a it's meant to be 650 dollars hong kong mm. but maybe it's not a straight translation <laughs> i don't know pricing here is really arbitrary some things are cheaper some things are more expensive so I, I looked up, you know, price.com.hk. Is that the right site? Yes. On there, it's like 800 Hong Kong dollars. Hmm, interesting. And then I sent you a screenshot of... Actually, I don't know how legitimate... Uh, I think it was a legitimate post saying that the... Cor- <laughs> no, you're not sure now. Have I been... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You've been bamboozled. Have, 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 I, have I been fake newsed? I don't know. Let's fake news everyone with it. Go on. Share with the group. Nintendo Japan shares official policy regarding production issues with Switch and Ring Fit due to coronavirus. But the problem with this article is it is from nintendo.co.jp. Unfortunately, I'm just using Google Translate. So it should be okay unless Google Translate is having a really bad day. Yeah, if it's from nintendo.co.jp, that should be legit. And because we're stuck in the flat all day, it just makes sense to get Ring Fit Adventure. <laughs> you, you can do your you, you can do exercise and do your fake your fake walk yes just just pay the premium just just trade like three face masks for it that's the going exchange rate right one face mask is three face masks though <laughs> i guess so yeah use one of your precious face masks to go and buy it in person oh yeah there's that as well yeah, you can get it delivered, but what if the delivery man's not wearing a mask? I wonder if they'll um, spike into the price of delivery now. Yeah, danger money for going outside. 
I thought, I don't know, have you have you been looking at restaurants? No, okay, random tangent. Have you been, like, as you're walking to your places, are you looking into restaurants? Are you seeing how empty they are? Yeah, they're pretty empty. Like, you could walk into anywhere at this point. Are there steep discounts yet? Not that I've noticed. But then again, I've actually hardly been outside as well, so. We're kind of waiting for the day where there are steep restaurant discounts. Yeah, I was saying this is a good time to go to some exclusive places. Would you like book a three Michelin star place now? Because you could probably be like, do you have any tables tonight? And they'd be like, oh, yes, sir. Or maybe not, because maybe everyone's got the same idea. Some people are completely blasé about it. I did have a friend from work saying like, oh, do you want to go and see this DJ a week Sunday? And I was like, no. Is it mandatory face masks in this club? No. <laughs> A club seems dicey because it's going to be humid and sweaty in there. Yeah, exactly. But We've strayed far from this topic now. Sorry. But Mike, you're invincible. You should go and test your invincibility. We've said many times, I'm definitely not invincible now. I'm now carrying it home with a face mask. This, this is the new Mike. <laughs> You've accepted it now. <laughs> yeah, it's that hermit Mike. Anything to close? Do they have DLC figures? I'm curious to see how Nintendo's doing with their DLC. Because they finally embraced DLC. I'm, I'm not sure if that's actually a good thing or not, to be honest. But, you know, you can't hold back the tide. They're doing it. So let's make the best of it. Because if you think about it, they used to sell that like new version of Pokemon, right? Like, you'd have... Sun and Moon, and then Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And I wonder if this new DLC plan will make more money than, you know, the, the revamped Pokemon version would make. I think it will. I think it probably will too. So it'll be interesting to get some numbers for that, I guess, next year. Are you in on the DLC? We'll see how I feel when I finish the game. I'm on track to finish it. Are you? No, I'm not. Which gym are you on? I have just finished the rock gym. Gym number, gym number. I don't, that doesn't help me. Oh, I don't know what you Six? I think I just what? finished six. How much have you played? When did you find the time? You're not working, clearly. Work from home is not work from home for Mike. <laughs> I, I am, it's Pokemon from home. I am home. totally working. I am totally working. I've, I've been playing it in the evening. I've been playing it in the evening. Okay, fine. Because, you know, I can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've played 25 hours at the moment. Good. Good for you. Do we need to postpone? No, I'll just go in. I'll go in not knowing. Okay, let, let, let's see how it goes in another couple of weeks. Okay. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. So, Michael, what are you grateful for? I am grateful that I finally figured out how to make 
Amazon Prime Video work in Hong Kong and can watch Star Trek Picard. Because I'm a total nerd and I really like Star Trek. I was I was going to go with how could you not work out how to get Amazon Prime in Hong Kong? Oh, it's surprisingly stupid because <laughs> basically, if you type in Amazon Prime Video, or like, like at least you know Google's got you know it's the bubble effect in Google, right? So when I type in Amazon Prime Video, it takes me to Amazon.co.uk slash Prime, whatever, and. I actually had a free trial of Amazon Prime because I got some stuff delivered from Amazon UK. So I tried to watch Picard, Amazon Prime Video, and it said, I'm sorry, this is not available from your current geographic location. And I was like, oh, okay. Turned on the VPN. I think the VPN is probably all running off Amazon Web Services. So of course they know all the endpoints and they're like, well, you know, you're on a VPN. Don't try it, you know. So that didn't work. And then I was like, okay, do I have to get the US one? But in the US, it's on CBS All Access, so I don't understand how this works. And I was trying to figure out if I could get a US Amazon Prime trial and if that would work. And, you know, that was not working either. Eventually, I had to look up, like, a news story about how Amazon Prime Video was available in Hong Kong now, as of, like, a few months ago. And literally, there's another website, just literally, like, primevideo.com. This never came up on Google. Like, I literally had to find the link in this news story. And I was like, how am I supposed to find this? Because if you type in Amazon Prime, it takes you to one of the Amazon websites. So I eventually discovered this website, primevideo.com, exists. And when I logged in, it said, oh, your home location is the UK. Do you want to make your home location for Prime Video Hong Kong? And I said, yes. And now it works. Well done. Well done. That was a pointless story. But yes, anyway. (laughs) We've been watching the Grand Tour for the last few years. Amazon Prime Video has been in Hong Kong for ages. It's a big deal. (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) Yes. I've never watched it before. It's got some good stuff on it. It does. I've I've been watching The Expanse as well. How is Picard? I'm enjoying it. I think it's really good. Some people are complaining that... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. you were like you, you were just <laughs> so like rude. bye. Okay, no, no, no. you can say it. You can cut it me off. Go on. <laughs> I've already cut you off. <laughs> so Michael says bye. Bye bye. <laughs>